Hello and welcome to We Can't Breathe, episode two of this podcast, The Argument Addict. I want to welcome back everybody who's listened to the first episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And hello to all the new listeners who may be hearing this episode for the first time or any episode of The Argument Addict podcast for the first time. Welcome and honestly you can take any episode at any order I don't think it really matters as long as you're enjoying it this particular episode is an interesting one the argument being analyzed is by a well-known and prolific QC or barrister Leslie Thomas and he's regarded as a leading human rights and civil liberties silk Again, the way the structure of this episode will work and the way the structure of most of my episodes will work is that I will analyse the argument being put forth, looking at the context of the argument, then analysing the main contents, specifically looking at the conclusion that's put forth, the claims that are being made to support the argument and the reasons used as evidence to support the claims making the full argument. So that's how I usually like to follow, the structure I usually like to follow and hopefully hopefully you're able to follow along with me this episode is based on Grenfell Tower and the public inquiry around Grenfell Tower so that's what the argument here is based on and I hope you really enjoy it so let's get into it So let's get into the context. In the early hours of the 14th of June 2017, a day that was very hot, Grenfell Tower in the London borough of Kensington and Chelsea went up in flames. 72 people were killed and the government's equalities watchdog found that the central UK bodies knew or ought to have known that their management of the tower was breaching the rights to life and to adequate housing of the tower's residents. The cladding on the side of the building came into question and was a very big point to the fire. On the 15th of June 2017, the then Prime Minister, Theresa May, ordered a public inquiry which to this day is still in progress. Further following this along, on the 7th of July 2020, almost three years later, Leslie Thomas QC delivered an oral statement to the Grenfell Public Inquiry and it's this statement that we'll be looking at. So I want you to remember with this speech that's being given, it's in the context of a public inquiry. And for those who don't know, a public inquiry is a major investigation usually convened by a government minister. And the reason for a public inquiry is usually that there is a public concern about a particular event or set of events and what usually happens during this is a scrutinizing of past decisions and events and it's therefore crucial with a public inquiry that information created or used during the course of an inquiry is managed to ensure its survival for future policy makers and researchers. So essentially within a public inquiry a lot of the things that are brought out of it will be later on used to form law more often than not. A lot of reports come out of a public inquiry as well. So as I said um, I think that this 
particular speech is very interesting and one of the interesting things about it is I think that there are two parts to the conclusion. So what I've decided to do is to separate this particular episodes into two parts so I can cover those two parts to the argument and hopefully you'll enjoy that and you'll be able to see the full argument after the two episodes and also maybe notice any differences or ways things that can be contrasted. So in terms of the main conclusion that I feel that Leslie puts forth, the main argument is that the inquiry panel has a duty to investigate the issues of race and discrimination during phase two of the inquiry by an appropriately qualified and diverse panel with the assistance of similarly qualified and diverse assessors and experts. I think it's important to note here that there is legislation that also backs up and provides context for the argument that Leslie makes. And it's two pieces. Article 2 of the European Convention of Human Rights, the right to life, and Article 14 of the European Convention of Human Rights, which sets out the right not to be discriminated against whilst enjoying the rights of the European Convention of Human Rights. Particularly in Article 2, what Leslie hones in on a lot is that there is an obligation placed on the state that there should be some form of effective official investigation when there is reason to believe that an individual has sustained life-threatening injuries in suspicious circumstances. And it's clear that this is further extended to include circumstances where an individual has sustained life-threatening injuries or where lives have been lost in circumstances potentially engaging the responsibility of the state due to alleged negligence. This latter part of the obligation derived from Article 2 very much fits into the whole purpose of this inquiry when it comes to the Grenfell Tower fire. So do keep those in mind, those two articles, in during the course of the arguments because it often provides the background to what Leslie is arguing. As I said, there are two parts that I think Leslie pulls up here. The first part being the social and economic causation factors for the Grenfell Tower and mainly poverty, disability and race and ethnicity. And I think this fits into the part of his main argument that the inquiry panel has a duty to investigate the issues of race and discrimination. And the second part is is the people involved in the inquiry or participating in the inquiry. And this, I think, fits into the part of his argument that is about the fact that during the phase two of this inquiry, the issues of race and discrimination should be investigated by an appropriately qualified and diverse panel with the assistance of similarly qualified and diverse experts, assessors. So looking into the people who make up the panel and who participate in giving information and expert witness during the panel. So let's have a look at part one. So in this first part of Leslie's argument, 
he's basically arguing, and to quote him exactly verbatim, the Grenfell fire did not happen in a vacuum, and we must be cognizant of the prevailing socio-economic and political realities of time. And I felt that there were three main claims, if you will, that Leslie was arguing during this first part of his argument. And the first one was the impact of poverty in causing the fire at Grenfell Tower. In terms of the reasoning for this, this particular claim that poverty had a great cause on the fire at Grenfell Tower and was one of the main reasons for it, He starts by identifying a number of questions arising from Grenfell Tower fire. Specifically, it's focused on the fire occurring in a poorer area of what is traditionally a very wealthy London borough, Kensington and Chelsea. So what he initially starts with is getting the listener to identify these questions and the particular questions that he is arguing is and he says it with with such pointedness but at the same time gets you thinking does anyone seriously believe such a disaster would have been allowed to happen to a block of fats in one of those areas and the areas that he mentions are Chelsea Harbour, Belgravia, South Kensington, Knightbridge Another question he asked is how resources are spent and allocated, how residents are treated and consulted, how seriously their legitimate concerns are dealt with are all impacted by who those residents are and how they're valued. It's questions that form an overall part of an argument about who the residents are and how they're valued and sort of places his whole argument in a wider context of society's issues and I felt that this was quite strong here the overall inference here is that poverty played a key part in the Grenfell Tower fire he also sort of as part of this claim that poverty had an impact looks at social housing and Grenfell Tower being a part of social housing and a symptom of a wider problem with the housing system in the UK at the moment. He argues that there's one housing system for the rich and another for the poor. And he sort of is again painting a picture here to the listeners at the inquiry and the wider public, the issue of poverty and how prevalent it is in the fire. And getting people to not only listen to the words he's saying, but getting people to think and ask questions about and around poverty. And did it play a part on the Grenfell Tower fires? Also, it's important to remember that this speech relates to other submissions made previously in other panels that have formed part of this inquiry. So it's a long-going process. I would argue here that... What he's doing is saying that this inquiry cannot be conducted without considering the economic factors that feed into 
a need for this to inform the understanding of the inquiry and which will come into the second part the makeup of the panel and the expert witnesses i would argue here that his argument makes logical sense and he's arguing that poverty including looking at social housing is a factor that needs to be considering considered when following this particular investigation leslie is using the evidence here of grenfell tower's area it's it's status of wealth or lack of wealth and contrasting it with the neighboring part of the borough of kensington and chelsea getting the inquiry to look at the questions and asking questions about and around poverty and the impact it's had on the residents of the grenfell tower area which i think strengthens his argument and so he's showing there's a wider scope needed when investigating this tragic incident I think you can clearly see how it logically follows here and it's quite a strong argument to start with especially using questions and putting these questions to the inquiry getting them to think about these are the questions we need to be asking ourselves the next claim that i feel leslie makes here is about disability it's a little bit shorter not as much in it and he's essentially mentions that larger largely disabled communities were placed on the higher floors of Grenfell Tower and that was quite a known fact I think if you paid close attention to what happened and you're aware of this fact then you would agree and you would probably sort of um, very much follow this point or this argument I would argue it's a little bit weaker because there's not as much evidence here he sort of mentions the fact that a lot of the people living on the higher floors in Greville Tower were disabled and talked about the morality of this, uh, that they were discriminated in this way and sort of touches on a practice that happens with social housing, but it doesn't really go into much detail. So there's not as much evidence here. So I'd argue this is a little bit weaker. It has the makings of a stronger point or argument it's just a little bit weaker because there's a lack of evidence i think something like a statistic maybe would bolster this and you sort of amp anti up the persuasion level but it's a good point it just needs more but it does add to the overall argument of this part this first part of his 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 main argument and the next claim that i feel that leslie puts forth is the impact of race and ethnicity on the Grenfell Tower fire. Essentially, the fact that Grenfell Tower, the area that it was in, is culturally diverse. And what he does here is gives an ethnic breakdown of those who died. And he gets very specific. So he mentions that four people who lost their lives were visiting the tower. The remaining 67 people were Grenfell residents, 32 were from the Middle East and North Africa, 9 were from East Africa, 7 were of white British or white Irish heritage, 5 were from West Africa, 5 were from Bangladesh or of Bangladeshi heritage, 3 were from the Caribbean, 3 were from Europe, 1 was from the Philippines, 1 was of Colombian heritage and 1 was of unknown BAME heritage. So here he's been very specific and I always think that statistics and numbers often help bolster 
an argument but it is specific that the, to the type of argument here that this is an inquiry and his issue here or the claim here he's making is in regards to the ethnic minorities or and the makeup of the ethnicity of the people who died in the fire I think it's important that he's included this information and I think it very much strengthens his argument. He paints a literal picture of the fact that the proportion of people who lost their lives being from ethnic minorities was very high. Again, I would say statistics showing that the majority of the residents in the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea are actually white was also mentioned here and he sort of contrasted this that fact that a high proportion of those who died were ethnic minorities so again painting a real visual picture of the contrast and using statistics to do that I think again strengthens his argument and it logically gets one to think about and ask questions which is what you want to do with an inquiry as what the panel members should be doing get you to think about well the fact that this is a predominantly white area and yet most of the people who died in the Grenfell Tower were ethnic minorities and that community has a lot of ethnic minorities and it's known for uh, its diversity, cultural diversity and the fact that within the within the tower there was disability the poverty of the area so it sort of has all these causation factors feed into one another and i think he he definitely paints a good picture of that again i would argue the use of statistics here helps at, to add weight to the argument that race and ethnicity were a clear factor and so they need to be considered in the wider widened context of the inquiry so essentially what Leslie is doing here is he's getting the audience, the public inquiry panel and the wider public to look at the fact that race is an important factor here. It needs to be considered when you're going into investigating in this inquiry. Poverty is an important factor. It needs to be considered when looking into this inquiry. Also, disability is an important factor, although I would argue he doesn't give as much weight to that. And there could have been a bit more. And this needs to be considered in the wider scope of the inquiry. These are things that need to inform your thinking when you're making decisions and investigating. I think one other statistic I'll mention in the area and this claim of race and ethnic minorities is that he shows the disproportionate number of ethnic minorities living in high-rising flats in comparison to ethnic minorities only making up 14% of the population. And that particular statistic is quite jarring and again it paints a good picture of the disparity that there's quite a high number of ethnic minorities that live in high-rising flats and yet there's only 14% of ethnic minorities making up the general population so again it's raising questions and I think what he does with these three claims is not just convinces you of his points but he gets the the audience to ask questions and I think that's an important part of an inquiry as I said at the beginning 
often what comes out of an inquiry will will form legislation will form reports will form studies and it's used a lot again and again to inform in the future and to educate so the questions that he's getting the audience to think about through the use of statistics i think makes it a very strong argument and makes his points very very clear something i would say that leslie does here throughout this first part and throughout the most of this argument is the comparison he uses of covid19 the grenfell tower fire and the protests and general catalyst or fuel of the black lives matter movement from the death of George Floyd so it's important to be aware of the context of the time that this inquiry this particular statement is taking place this is in July 2020 last year at that time we were in the middle and we are still in the midst of the pandemic but we were in the summer and we were in the midst of this pandemic where we were slowly coming out of lockdown but everybody was aware the world was aware of covid At the same time, you'd had the death of George Floyd, which I think most people are aware of, a man who was suffocated by a police officer in America. And then you had Grenfell Tower fire, which happened three years ago. And what he does here very nicely is he shows the similarities between the three events that had happened and are happening. So what he does is he highlights, firstly, that there are similarly causations of poverty, race, maybe disability to a lesser extent when it comes to COVID-19. Again, many of the people who were dying from COVID-19, from the coronavirus, were ethnic minorities in America, in the UK. And it was at, again, at a higher rate than, say, their white counterparts. Again, with the death of George Floyd and the protests and the Black Lives Matter, again, it was about life, the loss of a life and the importance placed on life within the black community in America. And this translated over to the UK, where you saw protests in this country as well. And then with Grenfell Tower, as I said, the looking at the ethnic makeup of the people who lost their lives during the fire was again a high number of ethnic minorities what you see here is similarities between the three and i think he's cleverly shown that there are similarities between the three events also he talks about we can't breathe and that this was something that was central with the grenfell tower and it was actually i think projected on the wall of of grenfell tower with George Floyd, one of the statements that came out of the protest and one of the words constant rhetoric used was, I can't breathe, we can't breathe, because that's that were some of his final words. And then again, if you look at COVID-19, one of the main symptoms or issues was an inability to breathe. So essentially, what Leslie has very cleverly done here is linked these three events due causation factors as well as that main issue of we can't breathe and I thought that was very cleverly done and again he painted a great picture here 
for the audience listening to show that Grenfell Tower and the fire that happened was part of a wider culturally and historic issue in the West, not even just the UK, but America as well. And that it was part of something that needed to be looked into. And to remember this when you're doing the inquiry, when you're investigating, and for the panel to remember this and to keep this in their mind as they're investigating the evidence presented, investigating the statements provided, the expert witness statements, the witness statements from people who were there or family members, information given from all parties keep this in your mind the historical and cultural significance and I thought that comparison ran as a theme throughout his speech and I thought it it really made it strong and really gave a different element and dimension to this which I quite was quite fascinated by and really impressed by that um those of you who know Leslie Thomas says as a QC as a barrister he's quite known for his advocacy he's very prolific and and often sort of renowned for his advocacy in court so the way that he paints a picture often is very very you know jarring but also captures the audience his audience and it's no wonder that this speech was shared amongst many news stations at the time and I think that that theme he used here was a wonderful and very clever and insightful way of continuing to paint a picture for the audience and continuing to keep you interested and listening. And so I think I will end part one of his argument there. I think it's clear that the main content of that first part of his argument is, as I said, about the causation of the Grenfell Tower fire and the importance of looking at these facts poverty, disability, ethnic and ethnic minorities and, and race when investigating and that this is a duty for the inquiry panel. I will leave that there. So again, I want to thank you for listening to this episode, the first part of We Can't Breathe, the second episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you followed the points being made. As I said before, I would love to hear feedback on what you thought about this episode. And I am in the midst of getting a, a means for you to send me feedback questions you have ideas you have things you thought I may have missed or things you'd like to add that would be great or particular arguments that you want me to analyze and I'd like to end this episode with the quotes that Leslie started with and that's from James James A. Baldwin from his book No Name in the Street If one really wishes to know how justice is administered in a country, one does not question the policemen, the lawyers, the judges, or the protected members of the middle class. One goes to the unprotected, those precisely who need the law's protection most, and listens to their testimony. Thanks.